And here we go. Welcome into the Tuesday show here. Jason Ross with you on Sports 1140 KHDK on this November 2nd, 2021. Kings basketball coming your way tonight as the Kings are in Utah to close out the four-game road trip, a trip that's been pretty good for the Sacramento Kings. Some areas that we certainly would all say could be better, but they are 2-1 and one on the trip. They would love to go 3-1. and one. I mean, this would be a, a significant win. The Kings have had a lot of struggles against the Utah Jazz even earlier this season, and it's a, a team that I told you before I think is going to win the NBA championship. I'm really big on the Utah Jazz. I like the way their roster is constructed. They've now been through the battles and the experience, and I think they're the best team. They don't have the best talent, but if they stay healthy, they've been through the battles. I think they're well coached. I think they got a lot of ways to beat you. I'm a big fan of the, what this team can do. Now, on a night, on a, on a game like tonight, certainly maybe the Kings can go in there and upset them. We will talk about that today. A lot on, really, this Kings-Jazz matchup tonight as we'll lead you up to game night. That'll come your way at 4.30. We're back for Kings Live pregame at 5.30. Then the G-Man, Gary Gerald, will have the call of the Kings and Jazz tonight coming up at 6 o'clock. Also today, the NBA or the NFL trade deadline has come and gone. We will discuss uh, some of the events that happened. Not so eventful today, but that was kind of anticipated even with yesterday's big move of the Rams by Von Miller uh, acquiring him. Uh, we will go around the NBA. There is a new linear champion. This thing is not... This thing is not hanging on to anybody right now, Chris. Nobody seems to want this. You sure about that? I'm sure about that. We will let everybody know. I haven't had the announcement, so. Well, you know, it's allegedly. Until the announcement happens, I don't know. That's what I heard. I'll have to do a little research before the end of the show to see if that's true. Uh, We will have a new NFL Top 5, Bottom 5, now that we've finished another week of action. And the crossover before we uh, wrap things up. But let's do it. Let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, it is the Kings and the Jazz again tonight, now this time in Utah. Now Utah clearly in the driver's seat. Bogdanovich, right corner for three. That'll do it. That'll ice it. That will give the Jazz a 10-point lead with under 40 seconds to go. It's 107-97. Quinn Snyder waves down the floor to Luke Walton. The Kings tonight, a competitive effort, but over the last five minutes, they were outscored 15-6. to six. And thus, the ball game was decided. That was it, the final five minutes of that game. Now, tonight, what has to be different? Certainly, we'll get into some of the good and the bad of playing a Utah team that is, honestly, I think, loaded. I think this team even got better from a year ago, more experience, and will be very difficult to beat. If you look at what they've done so far in just this short part of the season, they were the last team without a loss. They finally did lose, but you go into the details, really, of the loss – They played Chicago, who's a good team, in Chicago, and the Jazz rested Mike Conley. That was a night where the Jazz were uncharacteristic with the basketball, lost lost it 20 times, 20 turnovers in a game in Chicago without Mike Conley, who is one of their most important players, along with Donovan Mitchell and certainly Rudy Gobert. But that was the only loss they've had this year. They beat the Thunder, beat the Kings, the Nuggets, the Rockets, lost to the Bulls, and just beat the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. So it's a good team. They're tough to score on. They're disciplined. We say it every time the Kings or anybody plays the Utah Jazz. The Kings are coming off a game where they had one fast break point. Utah wants to try to match that. Utah will not allow the Kings to get out and run. They'll do those backcourt take fouls. Well, they'll just foul you. They won't even let those happen in transition. It was rare in the game at Golden One Center where there was a couple times where the Kings did get a run out, including one that was a uh, couple of memorable ones in that game, uh, if you remember, Davion Mitchell uh, ripping the ball away from Donovan Mitchell. That was one of the highlights, I would say, so far of the early season. But in the same game, uh, there was a steal and a run out to Tyrese Halliburton where he kind of had his moment. Uh, it was about a 6 or 8 run by the Kings to tie the game again in the fourth quarter. Dunk, timeout, Quinn Snyder, place goes nuts. Halliburton yells at the crowd. Those don't happen that often against Utah. One, they don't, t- they don't turn the ball over much. And two, they don't let you run out. So those are some of the things to watch tonight. That's kind of in the broader scope. In the narrow scope on the Kings side of things, um, will this team continue? Will they start to shoot the ball better consistently as a team? I think last game we mentioned how the only two players that shot 50% above or above were guys in the paint, and that was Tristan Thompson, his best game as a King, and Rashawn Holmes, who, by the way, is number two in the league in field goal percentage, trailing only Rudy Gobert, who's number one. 
But collectively around the arc, whether it was Barnes or Fox or Heald, certainly Terrence Davis just cannot find the rim at all right now, or the net, I should say. Um, So will that be an ability to show that today? Now, if they do that, it will be something because Utah is one of the best defensive teams in the league. So I would not be entirely shocked if tomorrow when we're on getting ready for the first back-to-back of the year for the Kings and the Pelicans, we're talking about a team that shot poorly again. That would be if I had to predict how tonight may go, I think scoring will be difficult. I think they'll shoot poorly, but can you find other ways to win? Utah doesn't have to run away from you. Maybe it's just a lower scoring grind game, much like the first time. Tie teams, five minutes to go, tie game. And then Utah finished much stronger. I believe it was like a 13-2 run to end the game. So it's another opportunity tonight to really have a fantastic road trip. A loss isn't a bad road trip. It would drop you below 500 for a second time this year. But now you come home for four after that. First night of a back-to-back is tonight. Uh, Tomorrow will be uh, New Orleans here. And you just, again, knock them off one by one. And six games in, as I said yesterday, I'm still encouraged. I still believe this is a playoff team. I still like the way they even stand currently uh, in positioning. I mean, it's way too early for any kind of assessments like that. But they have played six games. They're currently in the top eight. Um, I think there's some teams that we thought would be near the bottom that are near the bottom. Like OKC's not surprising. Houston's not surprising. I wouldn't be entirely surprised if New Orleans stays down there for a while until Zion comes back. They'll they'll start to rise, but how far below will they be? Then it's the other teams. What are the T-Wolves, Kings, Blazers, Suns, Spurs, Clippers, that, that kind of group, Dallas even, Memphis? Because I believe in the Jazz. I think the Warriors will end up being up there. I think the Lakers will be up there. Uh, Denver will be up there. Then the rest, there'll be some other teams, obviously, that have to fill the positions, but why not the Kings? And right now at 3-3 three and three with a schedule that's pretty, pretty tough, three road wins. Uh, if you go in the NBA, nobody has more road wins than that. There's teams that have three, but nobody has four. So if the Kings won tonight, they'd have the most road wins in the league. Um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I'd like to see them get some home wins, but they've only been there twice, and they lost both. So that's coming. That's the homestand after this. It's Kings and Jazz tonight, and as we said, game night comes your way at 4.30. Scott Marsh and the High Flyer will have that. Then at 5.30, we're back for Kings Live pregame, and then the G-Man will have all of the play-by-play coming up at 6. First things first. Tonight, the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs forced five New York Giants three and outs, and the Chiefs are going to go even at 4-4 on the season with a hard-fought 20-17 to victory over the New York football Giants. Hard-fought is fair to say, but why? Why was it hard-fought? What is going on with the Chiefs? And now when you get to eight games in, maybe they're just not that good. Patrick Mahomes is dynamic. He's great. they got to stop turning the ball over. But for the most part, their weapons around Mahomes are there. Um, it felt early like they could have put the game away. Then it felt like they were going to lose. They get a benefit of a call late. And they win, which is, bottom line, the most important thing. But this team, last night to me wasn't about the Giants. It was all about the Chiefs. And the Chiefs did win. That is the bottom line. But they're at home. Remember how just, oh, man, the Chiefs at home against the Giants on a Monday night game? That should have been a laugher. It shouldn't have been a contest. And it was. And the Giants had their chances to win. That's not a good football team. And right now, the Chiefs aren't either. That is not a good football team. We talk about win resumes a lot. What do you have to to bolster yourself the college football rankings for example are coming out today if the nfl did this we like to do this every once in a while if the nfl did this who would be in the top four well a lot of people before the year oh the chiefs have to be there sure that they're the alabama right look at they're always good well what is their win resume right now opening week they beat the browns they've got a win against the eagles below 500 a win against washington below 500 a win against the giants Basically, they've beaten the Browns and the NFC East. And the team they haven't played in the NFC East yet is the Cowboys, the best team. So with losses to the Ravens, to the Chargers, to the Bills, to the Titans, all good teams, I will say that. But what's the win you would say, yeah, but they did this? I think you would be happier maybe with how they played against the Ravens. That one could have gone their way, but it didn't. They don't have a great win. They haven't looked very good for a couple of weeks. And 
this was a team that I think everybody universally felt was either the team to beat or one of the teams to beat. Well coached, a group that's been together. They changed the offensive line around, but the defense helped them yesterday. But I think as a season, it's been a problem. And they don't look special. They don't. And it can change. But right now, third in the AFC West, four and four without a great win, a needed win yesterday, but not that impressive. Uh, here's Andy Reid talking about his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to go back and kind of look at whether I was putting him in, the, in a good position or not to you know, make plays. And then we'll, we'll see. He, I thought he did a nice job of hanging with it and end up making some big plays for us. So with his feet and with his arm. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, they got the win. That's what's most important. But this team just doesn't look like one of those juggernauts that they've been in past years. Is always the team to fear, a tough place to play. Good luck going to Arrowhead. That just doesn't look like them anymore. Here's Patrick Mahomes. More about the team and certainly about what their run game is doing. I think that whole running back room has stepped up in different roles um, this entire season. And as the season goes, with the offense line continue to get better and better at block, uh, run blocking and doing that type of stuff, I think that'll be a big part of our offense. Yeah, and here's an interesting text coming in right off the top. In the last three years, the Chiefs have played an extra an extra eleven games. There's some wear and tear involved there. That that could be factual. I mean, the the factual part is the amount of games they've played, but they just have not looked good at all. And I agree with Andy Reid. What's that? It's not Patrick Mahomes' fault. It's his fault. It's Andy Reid's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the defense, for Patrick Mahomes' struggles. Oh, okay. You're never going to put it on Patrick Mahomes. Why would I? Well, you're still a little bit off the uh, 10 years, 10 MVP. What was the, the the statement you made about him? 10 Super Bowl wins for Kansas City. And 10 Super Bowl or 10 MVPs for him, too. Or is that Super Bowl MVPs? Yes. Okay. So he's got one. Mm-hmm. And they've got one. Yeah. Only nine away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did, oh, did, they, did they lose a Super Bowl this year already? Not this year, but they did last year. Yeah, they did. And the year prior to that, they didn't make it. Yeah, it's pretty hard to win when you have a quarterback that can't use his foot. Huh, interesting. I didn't make the proclamation that he was going to win 10. Am I wrong? Yes, he hasn't done it. In 10 years, he hasn't done it. In 10 years, he has not. He, okay. can't, he can't in 10 years. In 10 years from now, he can't have 10 Super Bowl wins? Um, well, he could. Oh, yeah. oh, now your story's changing. Oh. Uh. Are you get you want to bet on it? Sure. <laughs> I don't even want to do that with you. It's too easy. It's not happening. Can we make a side bet? What's that? Do we both make it to ten years? <laughs> make it where on this earth? Yes. Well, I sure hope so. Does Earth make it to ten years? <laughs> oh my goodness. Where are we going? I hope so. I hope we all do. <laughs> so anyway, that got dark. Yeah, it got dark quick. Uh, as far as what's next for the Chiefs, okay. Here's where the month can prove it. Right? We talk about how it can change or it can bury you. Packers, Raiders, Cowboys, rest of the month. Packers, Raiders, Cowboys, the rest of the month for the Chiefs. They'll have a bye after that Cowboy game. But you've got first place, first place, and first place. We'll see how it goes. All right, let's get you more. First things first. First things first. First things first. All right, the NFL trade deadline has officially come and gone. We mentioned the biggest move came really yesterday. Vaughn Miller going to the Rams. That's a huge addition to them because of what it does, really, the message. That's really, to me, most of it. I mean, Vaughn Miller's a great player. Uh, Aaron Donald's still the best player of that defense. Jalen Ramsey's good. They've got a lot of good players on that team overall. And the Rams have a philosophy, to me, that tells the locker room, tells everybody that ever comes there, that we are going to do what we can right now to be better right now. They've done this for years. They don't have draft picks for a couple of years. They gave up a second and a third next year. They're doing it differently. They don't believe in the draft as much as we'll say as other teams. Other teams will stockpile draft picks and treat that as the best way to get their team better. The Rams already have a really good team and they're going to continue to act this way. So, if we could take you, and this is where something I wish Doug was still here for this, because I believe what a player would tell you is, I think, to me, I'm just trying to read this from from outside, when you're a Rams player yesterday showing up at practice or reading Twitter or hearing the news, wherever you received it, that you've had added Von Miller for two future draft picks, you were thinking this organization is doing everything possible to win the Super Bowl this year. And future draft picks to a current player is someone that could potentially take your job. And I think, you know, whether ego, whether 
insecurities, whatever it might be, the addition of Von Miller right now to a current Rams player is he's adding to me. He's adding to my team. We're going to be teammates. These future picks, I don't even know who they are. Now they're nameless, faceless. They're not even our team. And that's a person who in the future is a college player that could be, ah, we're a little weak at uh, corner or left guard or whatever position the Rams are going to look to attack and you're that position, that's somebody that's ultimately going to take your spot. But right now the Rams are going, we're not worried about the future. We're worried about the right now. We think we're good. Let's make sure we're good. doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they are doing everything possible to do so. And I just think that's an encouraging sign to everyone. That's uplifting to the locker room. You know, that's, oh, man, we just traded this. There's there's a weird feeling when your locker room has a trade, even if it's a player that's not popular, let's say, but it's just then, hey, it could be me. Rookies have never been in that spot. They're, real, they're told it's a business. And then, oh, man, my workout buddy, my friend, my locker room next to me, my locker next to me got traded. That's, that's a harsh reality that this happens to. So the Rams traded future picks. Locker room's intact. You've made it better. And I just think that's an uplifting move for a locker room. Same team, by the way, did cut Deshaun Jackson today. So he is out there. Uh, the other parts of the trade deadline that have come and gone that I think were the most intriguing today. Oh, by the way, the Niners did get uh, Charles Omenhu, I think Omenhu from Texans. Uh, played sparingly for them, but looking for the Niners to add a little bit more depth to their defensive line. Um, the two things here about the trade deadline today that stood out for me was the two people that did not get moved. One was Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know what the market is for him. But for his dad to come out with a video of showing passes passes that weren't thrown by Baker Mayfield to his son, and then LeBron James, really the most – he is I don't know if he's still the most powerful person in Cleveland, but he's the biggest name in Cleveland. Obviously, he's a Laker now. But friends with OBJ to come out on Twitter and basically say, let him live. Let him be free. He's out there. Let, let him have a chance, and they don't do it. Um, that's a mess there with him. He's and a bigger name in Cleveland. I don't know if anyone is. Then LeBron? Yeah. Maybe no one. Okay. OBJ will tell you he is. But the fact that LeBron's tweeting about it, to go out there and say, give him an opportunity, let him let him fly, basically. Let him have a chance. So that's one. And then the other one was Deshaun Watson. I don't even blame the Miami Dolphins for not making the trade, but I blame them for going down this road for so long and being the one team that's intrigued by Deshaun Watson. And what I mean by that is, is what has this done to Tua? I'm not the biggest fan of Tua. I don't think he's going to be a great pro quarterback. Hasn't shown it yet. But they don't. I don't believe they clearly love the guy. And this message suggests the same thing. And then what? Now you don't trade for Deshaun Watson. Tua's still your guy until he's not. I just think Miami has handled this thing poorly. And I know Houston wanted way too much compensation. Reportedly, it was three first-rounders and maybe even three other entities, three pieces or future other later picks. And I think their asking price even went down. But what message is this sending to Tua, to the rest of the team? They're saying he's not a number one quarterback. Right. He's a two. Uh, Chris Rallot, everybody. You like that one. I did like that. Yeah. But it's now go play this week. Go win us a game. Go be our quarterback. You know, you're a franchise guy. Oh, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Talk about locker room vibe. I just mentioned the Rams, how they're feeling right now. One, they're off to a great start. They're having a great season. Miami is a mess right now. And this didn't help. Deshaun Watson, what's going to happen to him legally? No trades now can happen until March. I think there'll be a ton then. But I thought there'd be a little bit more action today with the NFL's trade deadline. All right, let's get you more. First things first. First things first. First things first. 2-2 pitch, and he struck him out. And the Astros stave off elimination and win here tonight on Halloween. 9-5 in Atlanta. They fell behind 4 to nothing in the first, and they came roaring back to send this World Series back to Houston. Yep, Game 6 tonight. That was from Fox and uh, Max Fried versus Luis Garcia. We'll go tonight shortly after 5 o'clock. Um, boy, if Houston wins tonight, we got what uh, 
I think sports fans enjoy. Seven games. Dramatic finish. Braves fans want this done as soon as possible. It's been sent back to Houston. Uh, the Braves have the, the, excuse me, the Astros have the better offense. The Braves, I would say, have the edge in pitching, which will win out. There's been a couple games where the Braves pitching has been fabulous. Uh, you got Freed here, though, in the uh, the better pitcher, at least of the postseason between the two, though his ERA has, has ballooned a couple of games. So we'll see. We will see how this one all goes. Minute Maid Park tonight, a chance to either get a Game 7 tomorrow or Atlanta wins their first series since the mid-90s. Um, as this World Series, as I said uh, the other day, has actually turned out to be a pretty good one uh, between these two teams uh, so far. First things first. All right, the last one is is heavy. I, I don't know. There's no transition to it. It's just it's an incredibly sad story uh, that certainly needs more details and more context. But uh, if you haven't heard by now about the situation with Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs the third, he's facing driving under the influence charge after a fiery vehicle crash that was this morning, early this morning, or you know late last night, depending how you look at it. I think it was two three forty a.m. this morning. So the car he was driving. Uh, hit another car. The rugs and passenger with them were both taken to the hospital. No uh, word on their injuries were described to officials as not life-threatening. His female passenger was not immediately identified at this point. But unfortunately, the driver of the other car was killed in the fiery crash. So it's just an awful, awful story. And um, I don't know where it will go from here. Uh you know, the initial word is that he was um, seen a little bit uh, showing signs of impairment. And, you know, we will talk to Lincoln tomorrow. And, man, just just awful, awful situation for, first and foremost, a life was lost. I mean, that's, that's the only thing we got. It's the most precious thing we have out there is our own life. And it was taken from someone unnecessarily. And I do feel for rugs. I really do because that's a – I mean – I don't know much more than that. I would not want to be the person on that end of it either. I mean, this is a terrible situation. And at this point, I think we just have to get more information. But um, I didn't – it was in Vegas. Yeah, it was in Las Vegas this morning. So just awful. You feel sorry for him, but at the same time, there's no excuse. Oh, absolutely. In this day and age. And that's why I want – they said showing signs of impairment. Like, I'm not trying to alleviate any – anything. We got to get more information. Um it's just, it's not, and and if there is, like, suggestions that he was fully, um, you know, I don't know what his blood alcohol level, any of that stuff, well, then, you know, punishment has to be handled here. It's just absolutely awful. A life was lost that didn't need to happen. Accidents do happen, but you're not helping the cause here in this accident. And also, I hate to sound like an old guy, but there's really no excuse to be out at 3.40 in the morning. I mean, um, unless you're... I don't know. Yeah. I Well, who was it? Was it Herm Edwards? Someone said nothing ever good happens after midnight. I mean, this is four, in the, like 1230. I mean, I don't know. And now we're just arguing time of day. All of it is tragic, but 340 in the morning. I think Lincoln told us last week. I know they were off for a full week, and they were like, I think they were supposed to report today to practice. So, I mean, man, just absolutely awful. Awful. And I was reading even more, Chris, about rugs. And one of the things, you know, he puts fingers up to this guy. I think he lost a childhood friend or a, a younger friend to an accident uh, earlier. And, man, it's just absolutely awful. Awful story all the way around. So there will be more details. I mean, again, no no real commentary on this, no opinion yet. I just need to get more information. But they'll have it. It'll come out. And the worst part is that, that uh, a woman lost her life in this situation. And awful, awful situation there. All right, we will uh, come back. We will uh, resume the show here. We will talk about the Kings and the Jazz tonight as uh, the Kings try to close out the road trip with a win, another win if they can. That'd be a really good road trip if they can win in Utah. We'll discuss that when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Kings basketball coming up today as the Kings front end of a back-to-back. They're in Utah against the Jazz team that I think is the best in the NBA. Um, And just how much better they've gotten this year even. I mean, it's a team that's so experienced uh, with what they're bringing back uh, as far as coaching staff, the continuity that I talk about a lot. Um, But that starting five that's played so many games together now that they added Conley a year ago, 
Uh, the depth is just better. I mean, Conley, it's fit too, right? Conley as the stabilizing force doesn't make a ton of mistakes, but can get you kind of what you need when you're, if you need it. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, their best offensive skilled player. Boyan Bogdanovich, who uh, can be a sniper at times and kind of that tough presence when they need it. Royce O'Neal will guard anybody you need. And then Rudy Gobert, who, by the way, is reaching that peak of his career where he's been a really good player, but is having his best start in his career. Then you can come off the bench with Joe Ingles, who has been a starter. Jordan Clarkson, who could be a starter, but a six-man of the year. They still haven't had the services of the former king, Rudy Gay, uh, but Hassan Whiteside, Eric Paschal, they all help. I mean, it's just a really well-constructed team. I know lately they've been playing the rookie and former teammate of Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, just a little bit. Um, it's a good team. It's an absolutely well-put-together well team. And the Jazz, um, people are going to look at other teams around the league and just and be you know, fans of what Durant can do and Harden and Giannis and LeBron, and they're all great. But this is a well-put-together team, and they've played a lot together. So I, I'm... Fearful of the Jazz tonight, and the Kings should be because you look at what Rudy Gobert has done right now. 16 points per game, 17 rebounds per game. So his scoring is up. His rebounds are up. He's up near two blocks a game, which is the neighborhood he always is in. He's number one in field goal percentage. And, you know, one thing Coach Walton told us uh, last week when we talked to him, and we're going to have him on again later this week, was where they've had some trouble, or they did have trouble last year in the playoffs, was against the Clippers. Clippers went really small, and they were able to spread the floor enough to really make it difficult on a guy like Rudy Gobert. And Gobert uh, was exposed a bit in that series. But I think he um, they're still going to try to make it where it's their strength, beat them at their strength. Can you do that? And so far, people haven't been able to do that consistently. As we said, their only loss was without Conley when he rested versus the Bulls. The team had 20 turnovers in that game. But I want to go back to the game they played earlier this year. It was the Kings' home opener, and it gave us a couple of great moments. I mean, it really did, including this one from Kings rookie Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell is now matched up with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan drives inside and is tied up. Stolen. They didn't blow the whistle. Mitchell has it. Lead pass. Going to the rim and scoring is Terrence Davis. What a sequence by the Kings rookie. It's 15 unanswered for Sacramento as Davion Mitchell picked the pocket of Donovan Mitchell and then was able to find Terrence Davis for the score. 33-24 in favor of the Kings. And this crowd is fired up at Golden 1 Center. Just an incredible moment. Got a lot of attention nationally as well and even caught the uh, attention of uh, Donovan Mitchell. First off, he's he is as advertised. I think that's how, that's how you say it. <laughs> um, he's, you know, he's he's physical. He's quick. You know, he, he, he does a lot of solid things defensively um, that disrupted not only myself, but a lot of us. You know, he set the tone defensively. You know, he got the crowd involved. The crowd, you know, everybody call him off night, you know, and they, they feed off of that. That's and that's a that's one thing I would say that you know he's he's really 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 good at and you know he's going to get better as his career goes goes on. But for us, um, just being able to play through that, you know, their their atmosphere, their whole atmosphere as a group, they're physical, they were running, they're they're doing so many different things. And you're right, you know, my five years is probably the most physical I would say that they've been as far as kind of hitting and doing those things. And you know, they did a really good job of it. They they beat. Um, Portland, you know, in the, in the same fashion, you know, and that that's that's who they're going to be. That's going to be their identity. And I think for us, just being able to play through that, I think, was huge because I last, last year I don't think we necessarily win that game and with the way they played. And I think for us to be able to do that is huge. But you know, they're going to be a team like that, and it starts. It really starts with with Davion on the defensive end. And, you know, everybody knows our relationship. You know, so I, I got mad respect for him, and you know, he's going to get better as his career goes on. As the season goes on too. Well, that was Donovan Mitchell talking about Davion. Mitchell. So again, these two teams are, they were playing even in the game they played the last time until the final five minutes. And to me, if I'm looking at ways to beat the Utah Jazz or keys to this, right? It's execution. That's what happened in the final five minutes. Kings played a good game. It wasn't effort. It wasn't energy or passion. The fans were into it. Kings played hard, 
They did all the things they needed to do to put themselves in position to win. It was late game execution, and you have to execute for 48 minutes against the Jazz. That's why they're so good. Their, their attention to detail, their focus, they're locked in the whole time. They really are. And when teams defend that consistently, you, you just don't get times. You can't have a bad quarter. You can't have long, bad stretches because they're going to do enough offensively. Looking back at the box score the first time they played, um, and remember, too, the other part that happened in that game that really got the crowd going was when Joe Ingles undercut Davion Mitchell. It was a flagrant two. He got tossed out of the game. He only played six minutes. So you were without him. They rallied. They put other guys in. That's what they do. But Utah shot just 41%. The big difference in the game was their three-point shooting. They shot 16 of 42. So they made eight more threes in the Kings who made eight of 36. Jazz are, here are your numbers. They're number three in points per game allowed, number two in field goal percentage, and number one in three-point field goal percentage. These are all defensive uh, stats. So points per game allowed, they're third. Field goal percentage defense, they're number two. Uh, Three-point field goal percentage defense, they're number one. So they defend and they hit threes. They spread the floor and they'll create passing lanes and lanes for Conley at times, more for Mitchell, and lobs at the rim for Gobert. But they're going to put Royce O'Neal to shoot, McDonavich to shoot, Conley and Mitchell to shoot threes, and then that's where Clarkson comes in and Ingles comes in as well. They just hit you with multiple people that can hit three-pointers, all while defending and Rudy Gobert protecting the paint. And when it's not Gobert, guess who's in there? Old friend, Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside is in there. And he had a near double-double the last time they played. So their roster is constructed very, very well to fit the style that they play. And that's why I think it's going to be difficult for the Kings to beat them. But it's possible. We go back to the first game. Let's find the highlights. How did the Kings do it? Well, in this game, how were they in it? You had a night where, uh, remember, this was the first game that Harkless missed. He missed a game. So they started Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis didn't hit a three. In fact, we go to the starting lineup. Davis 0 for 4. Halliburton 0 for 2. Fox 0 for 5. Harrison Barnes was 2 of 6. Buddy got cooking. Buddy hit six threes. He scored 24 off the bench. We'll probably see more Alex Len again tonight because of the bigger body and Rudy Gobert. Um, Barnes needs to be terrific. They're going to need a better night from Rashawn Holmes, who's been really good this season. This was his one, I would say, off night. But the reason his night was bad was fouls. So he's got to stay out of foul trouble. Rashawn Holmes is so valuable to this team. His, you know, for those that look at plus minus, when he was on the floor, the Kings were seven points better than the Jazz. He was only able to play 18 minutes. So in his minutes, the Kings were better on that night than the Utah Jazz. He goes out. It's not like Alex Lynn played poorly, but the last time he picked up his sixth foul, the Kings went to Barnes at the center guarding Gobert, and they put four perimeter guys around him. Really, it was five perimeter guys on the floor. And again, they were just trying to catch up in the last two minutes, basically. So the suggestions for me would be a couple. One, execution throughout the game, but certainly late, and no lapses, right? The the Dallas game, Kings can't even get comfortable. They're down 17-3 to three and then 20-5. to five. You're playing chase all game long. They did a good job of doing it, but it takes a lot out of you to try to come back from that kind of deficit. Number two, besides late game execution, would be Rashawn Holmes to stay out of foul trouble. And the third one, can you find a really good version of De'Aaron Fox tonight? It, I'm not worried about him, but in a game like this, when you're playing a really good team, in my opinion, the best team in the West and honestly maybe the best team in the NBA, you need your best player to lift up his level of play. That maybe lifts up other levels of play. If we go to Fox in the last time they played, 5 of 19, so poor shooting night, missed a couple of free throws, 0 for 5 from 3. He did have 12 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 steals. That was encouraging, 3 turnovers. So I'm not as enamored by the point total. I know everybody looks at Fox's numbers last year as far as his point total. I still think it's in the best interest of the team for De'Aaron Fox to be closer to that 19 to 22 point range as long as you're getting the production from Barnes, from Holmes, 
from Heald, Hallib- you know, and everyone else is kind of doing their part, that might make this a more well-rounded, more um, complete team than one that just relies on De'Aaron Fox. So tonight's going to be difficult, but it should be. The NBA is tough on a night-to-night basis, and if you can get it, it's a great trip. It puts you back over 500, and it sets you up into tomorrow night's back-to-back. If you don't, all right, you're 0-2 against the Jazz. You could also look at it that way, as you've now already played two games against what I think is the best team in the West. While others are still going to face them three and four times, you've knocked off two already, and then you get a second crack at the Pelicans tomorrow night in a game that you'll feel like, okay, whatever you learned from Utah, whatever wounds you you had to go through, can you bounce back in front of your home crowd and get something going now at at home? I mean, that's really going to be, to me, what's important for this team. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more about some of the other things going on in the NBA, including trouble in Boston and the shooting woes of Dame Lillard, much like De'Aaron Fox. But we'll hear what Dame had to say about that. And there's a new linear champ. We'll confirm it when we come back here on KHDK. Here on Sports 1140 KHTK, Jason Ross here with you. We still have our NFL Top 5, Bottom 5, after a new week of action is uh, completed. That's coming your way at the top of the next hour, the crossover as well, and then, of course, game night. Uh, We're getting closer to that. The Kings and the Jazz tonight as uh, they meet for the second time this year. Um, Looking around uh, the league, we'll get into some of those things, but we do have a development, Chris. We've been following the Linear Championship from day one. And for whatever reason, uh, this is not staying in anybody's hands very long. You want to give us a quick recap of what has happened so far? So first night was the Bucks versus Nets. Bucks win. Because they're the champs from last year. Yeah. So they and I the don't really count that as a defense because really whoever wins that game is the Is the champ, champ to start the year. But okay, the Bucks had it just in hand and then they kept it. Uh, two days later, they lost to the Heat. Okay. The so Heat. Miami has it. Miami has it. Two days later, their next game, they lost to the Pacers. Mm, bad loss. Two days la- later, the Pacers lost to the Bucks. I'm sensing a thing. The Bucks get it back. They got it back. Two days later, they lost to the Timberwolves. Mm. Two days after that, Timberwolves lose to the Nuggets. Okay. So Denver had it going into last night. I think they're the longest reigning champions because three days later... Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this contest, and new growling, scratching, clawing, looking for some fish. That's right. They lost to the Grizzlies, but they don't they play again. They do. Well, the Grizzlies have to defend the title, right? Against the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> they have that weird little schedule pod where they play each other. I think that's tomorrow. Oh, so two days. Wow. Later. Unbelievable. No one is hanging on to the linear championship. It's a precious I title. I do have a sounder for when a team defends it. Oh, you do? I do. Well, we, can we play it, or do you want to hang on to it when yeah, it actually we, happens? we got to wait for it when yeah. it actually happens. Yeah, so it hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's in the hands of the Grizzlies. You can continue to monitor it. If not, we'll let you know. We will have it uh, firmly uh, in uh, tow for you there. All right, so Dame, uh, we've talked a lot about De'Aaron Fox struggling. He has. I mean, there's... We get it. He's he's struggled. I'm not worried. I think he'll be just fine. He's not shooting the ball well. That's the main thing. Can he get to his spots? Can he get convert a few more plays uh, is what he's going to try to do. But he's not the only one. I think uh, the officials have really changed the way they're looking at some things. Less fouls are being called. Shooting percentages are down. The league seems to be happy with this. Some of the scoring totals are down as well uh, for individuals. But Damian Lillard specifically has really, really struggled. He did against the Kings. Remember that first night? Missed a three for the tie. Um, had a lot of opportunities in that game. Um, but he was in Philly yesterday in a place that he has been rumored, or fans at least want, right? Ben Simmons for just about anybody, but Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, whether it was Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and others, who knows? But here's what happened while Dame was at the free throw line yesterday in Philly. Defender's so vulnerable. Chance going up here at the center as the six-time All-Star Damian Lillard. Yeah, they we want Lillard was the chant going on. But uh, for Dame and the and the uh, Blazers, they did lose yesterday. They dropped below 500 
His shooting struggles are continuing so far into the season. He addressed them after the game. And I, I always look at uh, struggles as an opportunity to to show my true character. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when things go great, you know, it's a lot of praise that, that comes along with that. And, you know, a lot of people give you a lot of credit. You know, they speak really highly on me. You know, social media, TV, you know, oh, they ain't got 60, they ain't got 50. Oh, they, you know, they speak really highly of you. Um, but I think it it says more when, you know, you're going through something, you know, it's kind of hitting the fan and you're struggling and everybody got something to say. Um, to me, the, the real ones can, you know, they can keep on track, you know, and keep on going and still find a way to to get the job done. And me personally, I love when those opportunity presents itself because when I am riding high, you know, when I do, you know, smoking hot and when I keep going, people going to look at it and be like, we remember, you know, when, when you were struggling and he didn't shy away from me. You know, I think it'll be more respect on or more respect for, you know, the success when they see how you handle the field and how you handle the struggle. So me personally, I embrace that. You know, it's not fun, it's not easy, but you know, I think that's that's part of my DNA. You know, that's that's how I got to this position. So, you know, I'm not I'm not angry about it, I'm frustrated with it. Um I do see it as a challenge and it's one that I, I accept, you know, and I know that I'll I'll come out on top like always. So, shall see when that that moment or that stretch comes. Yeah, and I don't even think it just knowing or what we hear and what we pretend to know from someone that we don't truly know. Um, I don't think he's going to be. I told you guys, that's not him either. I mean, but I think it's coming. I think he's right. His career, his career arc would suggest if you're picking which road is he going to go down, a, a subpar season and shoot poorly all year, or return to likely an MVP type candidate and an all-star. He's just confident. Right. He's never really been cocky or right. anything like that. He knows what he's, he's capable. done it. Yeah. He knows what he's capable of. Yeah. And I don't know. He even said it. We played this audio after the first game of the year when he lost to the Kings and he did not shoot well. Um, he was right in what he said. He got a lot of the shots in his normal area that he shoots. He missed them. So it's a longer stretch. And Chris, you've said this. I think this is the exact point too. Uh, let's say it's, 16 games into the season and none of that had happened and then there's a six game stretch of Lillard struggling I, I don't even know if it gets anywhere nationally maybe in Portland they're going oh the last five or six games he struggled sure facts. maybe they should rest him yeah um but he believes in himself I believe in him and I think I I totally believe he's going to turn it around I don't know why there would be any reason not to think he would turn it around he's such a terrific player and I just even like his approach, the way he talks about it. He's so open. Um, he said that the night he, he was against the Kings. He's like, yeah, I knew I had missed uh, my first eight, but thought I was going to make the ninth. And that's the way he thinks. I think Buddy Heald thinks that way. There's a different way they go about it. But I think you have to believe that. You can't play scared. You can't play nervous. He doesn't look like he's doing that. And he also added, by the way, on a night where they're chanting in Philadelphia, we want Lillard. He said, I got all 10 toes in Portland, in Rip City. Like, he's he's seemingly committed to the Blazers. You're talking about how Buddy's different. Buddy's different because he'll miss seven, make one, and then take a heat check. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm on. I'm hot. Well, you made one. But the way a shooter can be, he can make five in a row. Uh, Buddy's done that before. He, You know, the Kings couldn't make a three the other day at all, and then Buddy made three in the fourth quarter and tried to bring the Kings back by himself. Helped him in that Phoenix game before Barnes heroic. So, uh, it's all possible. Great shooters in this league, generally. That's why they're great. You know, Steph, I remember opening nights and I was trash. You're going to believe he's going to stay that way or return to form. And it's not a work situation or a work ethic situation with Dame. I have no problem with him. I think he's going to be just, just fine. Also around the league, last night, now thinking about things that this early in the season that don't look good, I would say the Boston Celtics, at least what's coming out of the Boston Celtics locker room. Now, there's one thing to lose a game or lose a couple of games. That's pretty standard. That happens, right? How do you handle that? How do you get out of these little uh, slow starts or these these funks that you can get in? Boston's 2-5. and five. Uh, They opened the season with a loss to the Knicks and the Raptors, then won a couple in a row, beating the Rockets and the Hornets. That's, those are good wins. Now they've lost three more in a row to the Wizards twice and the Bulls. All right, so 2-5, and five, but it hasn't been going that well lately. 
including this is now not necessarily a scheme or a um, coaching issue to me. This felt like personnel amongst each other. This is Marcus Smart yesterday on the Celtics style of play. Quote, every team knows that we're trying to go to Jason and Jalen. I think everybody's scouting report is to make those guys try to pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball, and that's something they're going to learn. That, to me, is one that needs to stay in-house. Marcus Smart's been around long enough. Um, I'm not even saying he's wrong, but it that's a bad look to get out publicly and to share that, obviously, with reporters. That felt like, let's keep that one in. We're obviously not playing well, but let's sort it out. Let's have a, one of those famous closed-door team player-only meetings. Whatever it might be, whatever you might need. Now, it may, this may result in that, but you got a new coach, Anime Odoka, trying to sort things out. A team that has been pretty talented the last couple of years, certainly fizzled last year with, where people thought they would be, but they've changed their their kind of their overall makeup with the core still being those guys of Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. But you've had Hayward in there and Kemba and Kyrie, Isaiah Thomas going back a few years here. And that just, to me, is a bad look when you say those guys don't want to pass the ball and you're putting that out there for the public to hear and the rest of the teammates to now probably react to. So Boston at 2-5, and five, their next matchup will be tomorrow against the Orlando Magic. All right, so the Kings are coming up. They're going to take on the Utah Jazz at the bottom of the next hour. We'll get you to game night. When we come back, more to get to, including the NFL. A new week is done, so we'll give you our NFL top five and bottom five after another week of action is completed. We're back with that and more right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. That's right. We're going to get to the NFL top five, bottom five here in a moment as we begin our second portion of the show. We go till 4.30 today because Kings basketball game night as uh, Scott Marsh and the high flyer Henry Turner will have that. Kings and Jazz, very, very tough matchup coming up for the Kings. We still have the crossover to get to as well. Uh, while we're on the NFL, because um, we're going to get into our top five, bottom five again, kind of an uneventful trade deadline day. Uh, the... Dolphins were unable to work out a deal to get to Sean Watson. Uh, you did not have a deal with Odell Beckham Jr., though it sure seemed like he and most people in Cleveland wanted him gone. Uh, but those guys stayed there. So not a lot of movement today. You did have the Steelers trading for a Melvin Ingram, uh, trade trading Melvin Ingram, excuse me, to the Chiefs today. But nothing of huge substance. Also in NFL, the Rams have cut wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. That was after the trade deadline, so I don't know if they were trying to move him, but they just cut him uh, today. And again, before we get to the NFL top five, bottom five, uh, another athlete going into crypto, cryptocurrency. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers is moving some of his salary into the cryptocurrency realm. He wants part of his salary there. So uh, some are into that, some are not, but Aaron Rodgers has so much elsewhere. Like, Yeah, he's got about $100 million in other dollars. Yeah, so. like probably worth that. Ri- like That's when you go, you know what? Give me a little crypto. I'll give that a whirl. If it works, if it fails, I'm okay. I got a pretty good safety net. But if it if it goes, then it's just a millionaire, a ten a hundred times over, getting even more money. Yay! All right, NFL top five, bottom five. We have finished another week of action, so let's give you the latest of what we think are the five worst teams in the NFL and the five best. All right, let's start with the bottom. At 28, first time they've made an appearance here in the bottom five. It's the Washington football team. They're bad. They are really bad. They've got two wins, six losses. They've been outscored by a total of 71 points this year. Maybe they should have been in this list earlier. Their wins are against the Falcons and the Giants. And the Giants, they probably should have lost that game. Uh, They're working on a four-game losing streak to the Saints, to the Chiefs, to the Packers, this last week to the Broncos. Uh, that was the only one within a touchdown. They have had a tough go at it. What's their future looking like? Last year, at least, I was really big on their defense. That's regressed. That was all they could really hang their head on. And they made the playoffs. But that's how bad the division was. Now the Cowboys have are going to just cruise in. Low stress for Dallas. They're 6-1. and one. They're, just, they're in great position. All right, let's go to 29th. 
the fourth worst team to me in the NFL right now is Jacksonville. They've been at the bottom of the li- this list for a while before, but Jacksonville, they've got other people that look worse than you right now. You're not good. You only have one win. You're one in six, and you did win a couple weeks ago in London over the Dolphins. I thought they actually might beat Seattle this last week. That was my upset of the week. That didn't work out too well. Uh, it's probably going to go poorly for them this weekend when they get the Bills. I don't know when their next win's coming. Bills, Colts, Niners, Falcons, Rams, Titans, Texans. Oof. Well, they get the Texans again. They get a rematch of that week one amazing matchup. But I'm putting the Jacksonville Jaguars as the fourth worst team right now at 29. 30, the Dolphins, a mess. Again, we were talking about Miami earlier when we were talking about the NFL trade deadline. I think Miami is completely mishandled to a Tonga Vailoa. They claim he was the quarterback of the future or the present, and they more than flirted with Deshaun Watson and still may be interested in him, but they didn't trade for him before the deadline. That's fine, I guess, but you've totally committed publicly that you wanted him, and now you're just going to come back and say, oh, no, Tua, you're a guy. You're a guy. What kind of confidence have you instilled in him? I don't know that he should have this confidence given by the organization because he hasn't played amazingly well. But I just think this has been mishandled by the Miami Dolphins. And they haven't played well in a long time. Lost by 15 this last week. Had chances, you know, losing in London to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, They've been blown out multiple times. Uh, Lost to the Bills. Swept this year by the Bills. Lost to the Raiders. Buccaneers all the way down the line. Only win was week one. They're working on seven consecutive losses. Yep, Miami, I've got you as the third worst team in the NFL. All right, number two, the Houston Texans. There you see the Texans with a record of one and seven. They, too, won week one, and they, too, have lost seven consecutive games, but they've been outscored by 122. This team is not competitive at all, and it's understandable, and they had a mess with their best player, Deshaun Watson. They certainly want to get as much as they can in return, but they didn't deal them today, and this team has let me give you some of these scores after they won week one they lost by 10 to the browns let's see what is that 15 to the panthers 40 to the bills close one with the patriots by three 28 to the colts 25 to the cardinals this last week it was 38 nothing if i'm not mistaken before they lost 38 22 to the rams so um the beauty part about this is we've set up a matchup this week for the third worst team and the second worst team we're gonna get this one decided on the field the dolphins And the Texans, I know Chris used to do tie alert. This game needs to tie. This game is the one that needs to have about a 6-6 tie with one team getting two field goals, the other one getting a touchdown but missing an extra point. How about? Three safeties? Hmm. I'm trying to work it out. I was hoping for 5-5. Oh, you could get that. You can't get that, but. Yeah. The uh, Texans did score five two weeks ago. I like your two field goals versus a. A touchdown, touchdown with a miss extra point, yeah. yes. Or maybe even the touchdown is early, and they're just like, we're going to roll the dice, or we're going to go for two and miss the two-point conversion, thinking, well, it's the first quarter. And it just they stay at six, six to six. No, but that's what I'm trying to <laughs> – Okay, you, you work on your math. All right, then the worst team. I've, I've wanted to get them out of there before, and I did. I've been last. They've been higher up. It's Detroit. Detroit, every time I – I'm impressed with the way they battle and compete. Then they uh, do what they did this last week against the Eagles and lose 44 to six. I got it. Okay. So this I is want... for the uh, Dolphins Texans game this weekend. Six, six. Okay. I want two safeties for the Texans, a touchdown for the Dolphins, but the Texans return the extra point for extra two point for two. <laughs> you, you worked it out. Six, six. That would be a perfect way for that game to end. And if that were to happen, I should get a million dollars from a gambling site. Someone, we can send them the recording and say, look, this was done at 4.07 on Tuesday, the week of the game. Someone would have to give you money for that. Yes. For that call, one of the greatest calls of all time. Uh, we do put the Lions as the dead last. They're the worst team. They're 32nd. They don't have a win. Uh, they've been blown out too many times. I love the way they played against the Rams, how they went for it, kicked on side, trick plays. Okay, this week it felt like they just lined up and tried to beat the Eagles and they lost 44-6. to They're just bad and it's tough and they're going nowhere. They are the dead last team in our NFL top five, bottom five. So let's go to the positive, the good side, the teams that are doing well. From five to one, 
We're going to put this team in there, though I don't know how long this will last. I'm putting the Tennessee Titans in there. They are now 6-2. and two. They have the best record in the AFC, but very concerned about how they're going to go forward without Derrick Henry. Um, I wish they had a little better quality wins, but the last two of the last three weeks, beating the Bills and beating the Chiefs is very significant. Um, the loss to the Jets looks weird, but now going forward, Rams, Saints, uh, the next couple of weeks here, um, they do have uh, another matchup still, though, with the Jaguars and the, a couple with the Texans. So they're going to get some wins. Um, they've played well pretty consistently this year. We're going to put them at number five. But look for them to use running back by committee as they go on. All right, number four, they've only lost once, and it was this last week. But uh, the Cardinals have dropped from one to four this week for me, and they lost by three only. But remember the Packers, what kind of win was that for them? They won in Arizona without their top three receivers. And so this is a huge week this week for the 49ers playing Arizona. As Arizona, we don't know about Kyler Murray at this point. Did injure his ankle, but that'll be critical uh, for the Cardinals to kind of stay ahead of a team that's still above them in my rankings, the Rams. We'll get to them in a moment. So the Cardinals at four. Number three, they're moving up, the Dallas Cowboys. I was impressed with Dallas this last weekend. Uh, it sure sounded like they could have gone with Dak Prescott. It made sense to the division's over. It's in the bag. They got it. And let's make sure Dak's closer to 100%. So they go to Cooper Rush and they win. In Minnesota, not the toughest place to play, but that's a nice win there. Without your best leader, your most important piece to your offense, that was good. And then now they get the Broncos this week, the Falcons. There's maybe a couple more wins coming up here for the Dallas Cowboys who are off to a really good start. Six and one, the division shouldn't test them at all. And they still have more games uh, with Philly, two with Washington, another one with the Giants. I mean, we're going to be looking at a Dallas team that could be looking at around 12, 12 wins or so, maybe even more than that. So a uh, Dallas I have right now as the number three team. Number two, I had them two last week, and I had the Cardinals one. They played each other, and you'd think I'd move the Packers to one. Nope, I'm going to leave them right at two. I was impressed with the win. I think the Packers have another tough matchup this week with Kansas City, though I was not high on the Chiefs the way they've been playing. But I'm going to put the Packers and leave them at two, and I have moved the Rams to number one in the top five. So Titans five, Cardinals four, Cowboys three, Packers two, the Rams are one, uh, not only for the way they've played, but also, they were the team that just made the biggest statement in the NFL this week with the trade deadline, getting Von Miller yesterday. Uh, they don't need him. They're adding him. There's gonna He's going to now get in a spot where he's going to have to win his one-on-one battles because Aaron Donald gets double-teamed and triple-teamed more than anybody in the NFL. So if Von Miller, on the edge, can help the Rams, who already have a good defense, help the back end with Jalen Ramsey back there, Stafford in the offense, Cooper Cup having an awesome season, Rams are loaded. They're going to be tough to beat, and I got them as the number one team right now in the NFL top five, bottom five. So five worst, Washington, Jacksonville, Dolphins, Texans, and the Lions dead last. Five best, Titans, Cardinals, Cowboys, Packers, and the new number one for me, the Los Angeles Rams. All right, break time for us. When we come back, a little bit more on the Kings and the Jazz. we got the crossover as well, and a new job in college football from a coach that had a primetime job. We'll tell you where he's going when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Right. A segment of the show before we get you to game night at the bottom of the hour. Scott Marsh and the High Flyer Henry Turner will have that. Kings and Jazz coming your way. A couple other NBA notes as well. Um, you know, we we were all over this story before with Ben Simmons from the summertime, right, where where is he going to go? What's going to happen with him? Then it was like, what is he doing? He's making this difficult. Then he decides to show up at Philadelphia. And then he just was half-hearted, like not even trying. What's going on here? He's kicked out of practice. Then we got to a point where it really felt like people were turning to his side because Ben Simmons had talked about how he just was not mentally right. And you have to be careful about that. Uh, even his teammates saying, look, we'll be here for you. Uh, you know, we're, we're brothers first, that kind of thing. And even Joel Embiid reaching out an olive branch for him, which was encouraging to see. Well, now reports today say that Ben Simmons is refusing mental health help from Philly. He is making it as difficult for them as possible. And it's probably what he was targeting before. I'm not saying there's not some issues going on with him, but now if you're refusing that help that Philly is trying to provide you, 
What are we doing yeah, here? But he's going through the Players Association. Is he doing it through them? Yeah. But not through the team? Yes. And I think that's another struggle with the team. I would, I would actually – I actually don't fault him for that. Okay. Because the team has been, from his point of view – Unfair to him. Unfair to him. Lately they haven't, and now if they're reaching out, I, I, I'm sure this is one of those things I think where both sides want control. Because, yeah, and remember previously they're saying he's going through the team for his uh, back injury, whatever that right. may be. And they said that that's what he's going through the team for. And if you remember previously, the team said, oh, he doesn't. he's good enough to play. He's not hurt. So I think if from – if I am part of his camp, I'm saying, you know what? We're going to get someone that's on Ben's side and not the team side. Yeah. As to say, like, oh, no, he's fine. He's right. right now. And the team is doing the same. Yeah. right? We want someone on our side, not your side. So yeah. th- this battle is continuing, and it's not getting closer to being solved um, until they either play him or trade him. It's messy, but I don't have that big of a problem with it. Okay, let's say this, though, and I don't know the answer to this. I'm not trying to poke holes in one side or the other, but tonight we announced that Ben Simmons has been traded. It doesn't even matter to who and for whom. How soon is he playing on that team? Yeah. Well, then that's that's what the problem would be is if he gets traded, plays the next night. And I don't know for, that that's to be the case. I just wonder. Goes off for 40, six threes made. Yeah, that'd be a big problem. <laughs> Now we're going down that your your same road as that other game, the uh, Dolphins uh, Texans game. Anyway, that's going on right now, um, and so we'll see where that uh, ultimately falls into place for him. Uh, college news: Former USC coach Clay Helton, remember him? Got let go this year, and everybody was blaming him for all their struggles. Well, apparently it's not all him, but anyway, he has a new job. He is going to be the head coach at Georgia Southern, so he's going. Uh, there for I think he's starting now. He's he's going to be in. He's going to be evaluating the team. They got a couple games to go. They got off to a slow start, but he's going to be the head coach at uh, Georgia Southern. So interesting there. The college football top twenty-five, the first playoff reveal has happened. They have revealed teams ten through seven. Uh, Notre Dame is ten. Wake Forest is nine. Oklahoma eight. Michigan, even after their loss this weekend, is at seven. They're now revealing the top six, and remember, it's the top four that uh, are, are the uh, the main teams here and the, the way this is constructed. Number one, no surprise, right now is Georgia. Number two, Alabama. They have yet to reveal three, four, five, and six, like the next two teams, the closest. So Georgia one, Alabama two at this point, and we'll continue to update you on uh, what those look like as they continue to reveal that. We still told you you got baseball tonight with the game six of the World Series between Houston and... Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta's one win away from advancing or from winning it, winning the whole thing and winning their first series since the mid-90s. Houston trying to force a game seven, which would be tomorrow. And then, of course, the NBA, we spent a lot of time talking about the Kings and some things to watch for tonight. Uh, another chance for Davion Mitchell to defend the likes of Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. Can De'Aaron Fox kind of get out of whatever this is, whatever little start of the season he's in because it's been un. Fox-like, certainly for me, it's, it can it be the fourth quarter Fox. Can he find that groove again? Because that would probably do the most for this team to benefit them. And then the other keys would be the offensive execution against this team. The Jazz, number three in points per game allowed defensively, number two in field goal percentage defense, and number one in three-point uh, percentage field goal defense. All right, before uh, we send it to game night here in a few moments, let's go ahead and get the crossover from the morning show. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. Crossover time, Jason Ross, real quick. Better chance of happening tonight. The Braves win the World Series in Houston. The Kings come away with a victory in Utah. And please show your work. Mm. Uh, Better chance, I would say, are the Braves winning in Houston. It's what my my gut tells me. I think this is going to be a really difficult game for the Kings. They haven't played well, very well, uh, in Utah historically. Certainly not in the last couple of years. They did win there, I want to say maybe 2018 was the last time they won there, 2019, something like that. It's been a few years. But it's a tough place to play. They're just good. They're good in a lot of the areas that I think will bother the team. They're well-rounded. Uh, they're deep. They're well-coached. They're healthy. I would say, and Atlanta has won three games in this series and has won in Houston. 
So uh, of the two, my work is showing that it's the Braves have the better chance tonight. I actually think the Kings have a better chance. Why is that? Because Houston's playing at home, and when they play at home, they have a real can do spirit. They see the ball better. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why is that? Any help? They getting any help at all? I, you have to assume so, right? Yeah. I did see someone write about um, that there's there's not as many people on that Houston team that was guilty of cheating. Like, but every, it's the whole Astro team. But it, I don't know that it matters for people. It's just the team in general. And there's enough, right? Correa is still there. Altuve is still there. Bregman's still there. There's more. <laughs> there's more of the Red Sox. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the Astros that just kind of got swept under the rug on that one. Uh, all right, let's give you a few more teams that have been revealed in the college football playoff. The first one, they've done this now the last couple of years, which is better to do it this way, let a lot of the season play through, and you have a better idea of evaluating this. Pac-12, for the moment, has some representation. Let's go with one, Georgia, two, Alabama, three, Michigan State. Number four is Oregon. So it's seven and one, Oregon is in there, and they beat Ohio State. That's their big win earlier this year. i would got to believe Ohio State is in there somewhere at five or six. Uh, we mentioned that seven is Michigan, eight is Oklahoma, nine Wake Forest, and ten Notre Dame. So um, that'll get played out though, over the next few weeks. And now there's just more hype and more drama around these rankings in the last couple of days of or the last couple of weeks of the regular season. All right, Kings basketball is coming up. Remember, it's the front end of a back-to-back for the Kings. As of tomorrow night, they'll be at home against New Orleans, starting a homestand. But Kings and Jazz, we're back tomorrow to recap all of that and what happens tonight in the World Series and so much more. But game night is coming your way with Scott Marsh and the high flyer Henry Turner. That is straight ahead right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. See you.